The son has the freedom to choose. But in this parable, when the son comes back, the father is there waiting and runs to greet him on the road. So God is a loving God, and because of that, he gives us parameters on how we should live. And he loves us, and he never gives up on us. But there's also the side of God where we look at Jesus and we see that Jesus is constantly talking about eternity and heaven and hell and Matthew 25 and he says someday you'll stand before God and he's going to separate the sheep from the goats all right so God's love for us also means that we have to give an account for our lives and that's a hard thing for some people to hear let's look at first John chapter 4 starting in verse 7 and he's going to he's going to talk a lot about love but he's also going to talk about judgment I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. I try to read from a variety of English versions, but when I preach, I use the NRSV. And in starting in verse 7, he, he uses his fa- favorite description for his readers, and he says, Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. That's how God's love was revealed. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. God's love precedes our love. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. Skip down to verse 16. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been reached, has not reached perfection in love. So over and over, in this lengthy passage, he says, God is love. How do we know that God is love? Because he revealed his love to us through Jesus. So those who walk in the light, right from chapter 1, those who are in Christ are in his love. And we're in his love as we love others. And we'll talk about loving others next week. But he says that there's no fear in love. And because of his love, we can stand in judgment and boldness and confidence before God. And he mentions this confidence numerous times throughout this letter. So all of that sounds great. Jesus is love incarnate. God is love. Sounds really good. And I could preach about God's love all the time. But my struggle, which might also be your struggle, is do you really believe that God loves you? Now this would cause you to do a little self-reflection. You think about your own life and how do you receive love? How do you receive love from God? Some of you grew up in a church where you were taught that if you do what's right, you're in God's good graces, but if you slip up and you sin, then you're out. 
gospel, if you get things right, then you're back in, and then you're back out, and then you're back and forth, and the way that you view God's love is based on your own merit, and whether you're in or you're out, you're in or you're out. Some of you view love from the angle of how you receive love from maybe your parents or a teacher or a coach, where you feel that you can only be loved if you earn it, if you're good enough, if you accomplish enough, then those adults will love you. And that's how you receive love. Too many of us feel that we receive love based on how many likes we get on social media. So the way that we view love, often there's all these stipulations that come alongside of it, and it's hard to just believe that God really loves you for who you are. That His love precedes everything. It's easy to say, God loves you, but does God love me? It's easy to verbalize that God loves me, but do you really believe it? William P. Young wrote this book called The Shack. It came out about a decade ago. And it's a fictional book, but it's about this guy interacting with the Trinity, with the Father, Son, and Spirit. And one day, William Young was asked to speak at a women's prison. So he went and gave this presentation on the shack, and uh, everybody liked it. All the women were thanking him as they were leaving, thanking him for coming. But he noticed this one woman who was standing over in the corner by herself, not really interacting with anyone, looked like something was wrong. When everybody left the room, she walked up to him. And she said, do you really think the Father is fond of me? She had trouble believing that God could actually be fond of her. And so he said, yes, I believe the Father is fond of you. And she said, okay, that's all I need to hear. I think some people really do struggle deep within them to believe that God could actually love you. I was thinking about a time when I was in college and there was a a guy, a friend of mine, on an emotional day, was giving me a very nice compliment. My response to him was, I made a joke, and then I started making fun of myself. Because sometimes I don't know how to respond if somebody's giving me a compliment. And I'll never forget this day, he grabbed me by the shoulders, and he said, Jody, you don't know how to take a compliment. He said, just take it. You don't even have to say anything. Just say thanks, and don't say anything else. And I thought about that day... Because I was thinking about you know, God grabbing me or grabbing you by the shoulders and saying, you really struggle with knowing how to receive my love for you. you know, just take it. That God really loves you and it's out of that love that we're compelled to walk in the light. To walk as Jesus walked. You know, about two and a half months ago we had... That special Sunday where we had been asking you to have your one so you could write your, the name of your one down on these cards. You see it displayed out here. Well, I had all the extra Who's Your One cards sitting on my desk. Uh, and they've just been sitting there. So if you need an extra one, I, I can give you one. But they're sitting on my desk. And every Monday and Wednesday, my daughter, Addie, uh, would come to work with me for the first 30 minutes. And then I would take her down the hall to Mother's Day Out. Uh, one day I had left the room and she was still in the office and I went and got some coffee and did some other things. Came back, got her, and I brought her down to school. And then I came back and she had filled out one of those Who's Your One cards. She knew what it said. You know, she likes to draw and do things like that. 
So sitting on my desk, she left me a little surprise, and she filled out this card, and this is what she wrote. She, we're still working on her spelling and handwriting, but she wrote dad and mom. And I thought, well, that's sweet. What a nice little surprise. Who's your one? She's saying mom and dad. And I could have gone down there and reprimanded her and said, Addie, this was supposed to be for those who were lost and you messed up filling out your card. But that's not what I did because I know what she was doing. She, she loves us and she was writing her names down on this card. So I put, it, I put it on my, I have two screens in my office and I put it right here in front of one screen. And it's just a nice, lovely reminder of my kids. So one day I was studying 1 John chapter 4. And I was just reading over and over, God is love, God is love. And this thought occurred to me, and I try not to be too cheesy or corny with these examples up here, so this may sound a little cheesy, but stick with me anyways. The thought occurred to me, what if we had one of those who's your one cards, and God were to write your name on it? Would you really believe that? Would you really believe that God felt that way about you? It's easy to believe that God would feel that way about other people, but would you really receive that for yourself? Do you really believe that God loves you? John talks a lot about loving other people and how important that is. It's hard to love other people if we walk around and we're insecure all the time. And we lack confidence in who we are. We're freed up to love other people when we know that we're secure in God's love. When we really and truly, genuinely believe and receive and accept God's love for us, we are secure in that, and that frees us up to love others. So that's a struggle that a lot of people have, is just actually accepting and receiving that God could really be fond of you, that God really does love you. But on the flip side, some people have trouble believing that God could actually love other people. You may think, well, I know God loves me. I go to church. I'm a good parent. I do good things. But how could God love somebody else? Look at the way human beings behave. Look at the way that people act. People have different political views than I do. What, could God really love those people as well? So maybe your struggle isn't accepting and receiving God's love for you. Maybe your struggle is viewing other people with the same kind of love that God views them. Maybe that's your struggle. Anne Lamont is a, a writer, and she said, If God loves all the same people that you love, and if God hates all the same people that you hate, then you can be sure that you've created God in your own image. Do you believe that God really loves you, and do you believe that God really loves others? In chapter 5, verse 13, John gives us, again, like he does in the Gospel of John, his reason for writing. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. John's desire was for all those who would read his letter to walk in the light. And his reasoning why is because God loves, God's love compels you into the light. And it's through that you can have confidence when you stand before God on the day of judgment because of Jesus Christ. Because we have one who is an advocate for us, who atones for our sins. And because of that, we can have confidence before God. There's a man named Steve Henning. Uh, when he was two years old, 
He got spinal meningitis, and it was during World War, World War II. It was 1943, around there. Uh, so they had a, a shortage of penicillin, and because of this sickness, he wound up lo- losing his hearing. And there was nothing they could do about it, so from the age of two and beyond, he couldn't hear. He couldn't hear the sound of laughter or music or anything. Now, he still lived a full life. He got married. He had kids, but he was never able to hear their voices. And then, almost six decades later, uh, he found out about a surgical procedure where they could implant devices in your ear and bypass the non-functioning part of your ear and go straight to the auditory nerves, and that possibly that could work, and then he would be able to hear again. He was a candidate for the surgery. In the winter of 2002, he had the surgery. But because of the swelling in his ears, they had to wait six weeks before they activated the device. So he has the surgery, but for six weeks he has no idea if it actually worked or not. So the day came to find out to activate these devices. He went to the doctor's office with his wife, and the doctor said, you know, this may or may not work, but if it does work, I want the first voice that he hears to come from his wife. So he told her, I'll give you the signal. When I activate the device, you speak into his ear. So the doctor gave her the signal, and she leaned in, and the words she said were, I love you. And then he had this real big smile on his face, and they realized in that room, the surgery worked, and he could hear, and the first words that he heard in about six decades were words of love. I love you. And I feel like... If John had a message for us today, the first thing he would want us to hear is that God loves you. And it's because God loves you that you're free to leave behind a life of sin. To leave behind a life that makes a practice of sinning and step into God's life. It's because of God's love. It's out of that love that we're free to love others. So my question is, do you really believe that? We serve a God who really does love us. And that love offers us a new life in Jesus Christ. This morning we're going to offer a time, a few more songs, and we're going to have some of our shepherds. One will be up here with me, a few will be in the back. If you need to respond this morning, if you need prayers, we encourage you to come find a shepherd or come up front and take this opportunity. And let's stand up and continue singing. God